0: Hey everyone, Uh, welcome to the Living With Power Hope Podcast. Uh, If you've been here before, you know my name is Lena Abajemra and I'm your host. And every week we uh, have a conversation with someone on the topic of hope. We talk about how we get hope, how we sometimes lose hope, but more importantly, how we can keep it for good. And I'm telling you guys, today is awesome Uh, We have my favorite human in the whole world, and I say this sincerely, she is truly a role model and somebody that I've looked up to for years, and I am just so excited to have Christine Kane. I feel like we should have (laughs) an intro here with me.
1: Lena, it is my honor to be here. I don't know that there's anything uh, going to be more pumped up than a Lebanese woman and a Greek woman.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Well, you know what? I got to be honest with you and tell you that um, this is the first podcast that I actually record in the room with someone. Come on. No, no, seriously. It's always been on the computer. And so of all the people I could have chosen to be in the room (laughs) with me, this is a little dangerous. I'm
1: telling you, this is like explosive. And like here we are in a room, we're overlooking Chicago. I mean, we are fighter.
0: Uh, We really are. And I'm telling you, if there's anyone that makes me feel lazy in this world, it is Christine Kane. So uh, any of you, she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And this woman really does it all. So I actually usually do a little intro and tell people, but really you are a preacher of God's word. You are a Christian and you are just a woman who lives everything with passion. And I I just can't wait for people to hear this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, This is fun because it's our first podcast of 2019. Come on. Yeah. And what's awesome about that is that, you know, everyone's energy is like super high at the beginning of the year. And so we're going to try to use this podcast to really rev people up to live a godly life. So I'm excited about it. So why don't we start with this? I was thinking on my drive here, there's one human in Paducah right now who doesn't know your story. Right. Everybody else listening probably has heard some bits and pieces of the Christine Kane story, but I think it's worth just stopping. And I would like to start with how you came to faith. Just tell us about your
1: background a little bit. Yeah, it was a, a little bit of a, a journey. I grew up in um, a Greek family, so um, Greek Orthodox. And so I kind of always grew up with a knowledge of God. There's no doubt about it. Um, my parents took me to church, but I certainly had no revelation of Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. Um, but I, I definitely was always drawn to God. And so, but you know, I grew up, uh, Lena, in a very broken family. Um, just to give the sort of cliff notes version, mm-hmm. I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. Um, I had been sexually abused at the hands of four men for you know, over a decade, which is deeply damaging, obviously, to.
0: But you didn't know growing up that you had been left. I hospital. didn't know that I
1: was adopted until I was 33. Wow. And so, you, you know, I'm um, growing up thinking you were one person, finding out at 33, you're another. So, with that, the brokenness of, um, of abuse, second generation migrant Greek, um, before my big fat Greek wedding, when it mm-hmm. was not cool to be Greek in Australia, you know, very marginalized because of my ethnicity, my gender, in a culture that did not esteem women, you right. know, very highly. So, I kind of. Uh, so my background was riddled with shame. Um, in many ways, I was functioning well on the outside, you know, a high achiever at school, but I kind of tried to mask so much of my pain through performance and mm. through, um, you know, just basically achievement. But when I was in my late teens, uh, growing up in Australia, you had one hour of compulsory religious education at school every week, believe Mm. it or not. So churches that would invest in someone to go into schools, they could just get into schools and do it. Most churches didn't. So kids just ended up with nobody. But we had, you you either had to go to Catholic um, religious classes or Protestant. That was it. But because I was Orthodox, I had to go to Catholic. But this uh, once I snuck out of my one and I went over to Good the goodness. Protestant one. And I just like, I wanted to see what was going on over there. And the guys were cuter. So I went. Um, and, you know, it was in that. Then I, I was just fascinated with what they were teaching. I'd never heard anyone teach the Bible. I'd mm-hmm. never. Um, and so I would go over. And then the first time I really heard the gospel explained, I my heart leapt at, um, this gospel message of this good news, great joy, all people, you know, a message of hope. But again, I came from a very broken or, you know, all the ramifications of the abuse and the brokenness and the shame and the Mm -hmm. guilt, and just being a Greek girl in Australia, a lot of that, you know, came in. Um, and because I wasn't allowed to go to a Protestant church or any, they they gave me a a Bible. Um, my my parents, this is now my late teens, but my parents took it off me because, you know, the, only the priest could read the bible this was not for normal people and um and a woman what on earth could i understand you know from the bible so i um then what what could have been a great time in my life i think the enemy came in again to try to take Mm. that seed so you know, it was the next three years from the time I was 18 to 21, I, it were a very dark season for mm. me. So I, basically the way I say the consequences of all the brokenness of my past never addressed. And then not being in any kind of life giving church, not having any biblical discipleship. Um, Basically my soul that was so wounded, so damaged, so broken. I just made the poorest relational choices and kind of acted out of that brokenness from 18 to 21. At 21, um, just in a mess. I bought a one-way ticket overseas. I thought I'm just going to go, you know, Australians uh, frequently um, kind of just go yeah. around the world. I thought I'm just done. Um, hadn't really thought about church or God other than guilt and shame because, you know, I thought, oh, no, I've committed the unforgivable sin. I'm so bad. I so, yeah. very a lot of Greek guilt that was in my head. Um, but at 21, long way to go, I got to 21, I was on a balcony of a, a friend's house in Zurich, Switzerland. And just right there in in a, a state of utter despair and hopelessness. My dad had died at 19. 19. That really triggered my downward spiral mm. at that point. Um, I was on a balcony in Zurich and I, I like to say I had an encounter with God. It was sort of some of those seeds that were sown in my life as I snuck out of my Catholic religious education class into the Protestant one. Those right. seeds started, you know, somehow they went in and I just remember on that balcony, just weeping before the Lord, saying, oh, "I'm I'm going to come back and serve you." Now you've got to understand what I thought that meant was I was going to be a nun like Mother <laughs> Teresa. I mean, Greek Orthodox. Right. What do you? You know, That's you just say, you. everyone's yeah. going to be Mother Teresa, <laughs> and so. But in my own way, that was when I made my I'm going to follow Jesus, thinking no I'm going to be Mother Teresa, working. You know, in somewhere in a a third world country helping the poor and the marginalized I mean it was instantaneous in my thinking and of course because of the paradigm of what I'd grown
0: up nobody spoke with you about like it just really was the Lord just sort of moving in that sense yeah it was because and and I was I was so sick of my sin I don't Mm. know how
1: else to I was I was dead I was like in you know um you know scripture teaches sin is fun for a season but when that season is over that hopelessness that I felt the brokenness I mean I had no idea of the life that I'm living today but I I just needed Jesus I always say you know I I don't know I just knew I was dead Um, Mm. I don't know how to explain that but it was something happened to me where it was like, drop your nets, follow me. And it was drop your nets. Like, How no did you know what back, to
0: do the next day? Like well, you the just next day
1: well, well, I didn't know the next day was like, I'm going to go back to Australia. And I'm, so it was, and I'm going to face the consequence. I had no idea, but I thought, well, back there, there's a lot of people that I've hurt. There's a lot of uh, a lot of relationships that were really negative and destructive. So I thought I'm going to go back and they're all going to hate me, but I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to yeah. fix it. I mean, I just thought that's, I had no idea, no church thing, no, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's like kind of almost like, you know, um, the guy that says, okay, man, if I stole from anyone, I'm going to return this tenfold. Like, yeah. I'm, I just want to yeah, make yeah, it yeah, right. Yeah. Like, somehow I'd had this encounter that was like, I've just got to make things right. Um, and so I came back to Australia, finished my degree. And I still wasn't going to a church, but I started volunteering in this ministry called Jesus Saves, which was in the red light district of Sydney. And basically I would go to college during the day and then at night I would hand out like sandwiches and drinks to uh, people in the red light district, um, you know, just broken people in that whole scene. And I really thought that's what serving God would, I I thought that would be my life, like that's what I'm doing, you know, and talking to people about Jesus. And so then there was a leader there that began to, teach us the Bible, you know, you would have these yeah. little meetings beforehand and a process of doing that for a year. Um, someone then said, Chris, do you want to come to church with me? Which, you know, I've been thinking, um, I want to go, but I didn't really know where to go, what to start, you know. And then this person um, invited me to a church in, in Castle Hill, Sydney. Um, and it was the last Sunday in January 1989. Wow. So we're going to be listening to this probably sometime in January 2019. Yeah. Um, so that means that exactly 30 years ago this wow. month um, I walked in and I don't know how else to explain it. It was a 6 o'clock Sunday service, Hillsong Church, my yeah, yeah. my church. I still go to the same church 30 years later. Um, and I would now use language to say I found home and wow. never left. I Then I didn't know what to say other than I just began to weep and um I never left. Like that was the thing. So and awesome. as I walked into that Sunday night service, the youth pastor who was a woman was teaching. And I'd never seen a woman do that in yeah. a you know, and um let alone even a woman youth pastor. She was the first female right. youth pastor in Australia and teaching on a Sunday night service. So that became my normal. I thought that's what all Protestant churches did. I thought right. that's what, I mean, because I didn't know it. <laughs> You're right. laughing and I'm like, you know, imagine that that's your first encounter. And so yeah. you have no idea. Um, and then you start going to the youth group and the youth pastor's a woman and um, a single woman. on wow. uh, that. You know, she's married now, kids yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We're, but um, and, and very senior in our church yeah. still, 30 yeah. years later. But what was normal for me was just, normal and so out of that i started serving in the youth ministry just like i'd go to still finishing my college degree just english and economic history so basically i've got a degree (laughs) for reading golden books and counting to 10 but you know and so i would do that and then i um would come and just volunteer because i could i couldn't get enough of the house of god see if someone just um sometimes you go just do the next right thing some everyone's looking for a big ministry to me it was like volunteering for the cleanup um driving kids to youth like whatever I felt so privileged that God would let me work in his house. Like I
0: couldn't believe with you, my Well, at background. that time put yourself in that stage, state, and I want to come back to for that because a lot of people don't find that. Right. right? I mean, and I want to kind of give yes. him a little hope today, like even starting in New York. Like what do you do when you don't find that community? But it took you a while really a lot, to find yeah, it. was it. a journey. Exactly. Oh, and, yeah. And also like um, how did you go from that to knowing Chris Kane can teach the Bible. I isn't? certainly
1: didn't for a while. What I did was, um, I would go and kind of the, the Christian environment that I was in was more of a, a Pentecostal, charismatic environment. So there was um, the operation of the spiritual gifts. So to me, again, that was as normal as a woman teaching, yeah. like yeah. all of those sorts of things. So I um, would get certain prophetic words that spoke this into my being. I wouldn't have thought yeah. that. It didn't even occur to me. You know, I certainly didn't grow up in a tradition where that would be possible. But what would happen is um, I would bring anyone I met in my part-time job, anywhere I was, I would keep bringing people to church and people would get saved. So (laughs) it didn't matter. And sort of I became known... I, I always laugh now I go people now give me a microphone to do what I was always doing right. I, I would do it whether I had a microphone in my hand or didn't um, the Holy Spirit always puts a microphone in your hand every day no matter where right. you are and so I wasn't looking to start a ministry because I didn't know you could I, it wasn't in my, I didn't have language for it I wouldn't have thought I was just I got saved and I was like the woman at the well everywhere I went come and see a man that has told me everything about wow. my life and redeem me and heal me and I would just leave literally every week dozens of people to Jesus, wherever it's I was amazing. and we would go out on the streets and we would get words of knowledge about people and we'd invite them to church and so our church exploded today you know everyone knows the impact yeah. of Hillsong around the world but when I started going it was a few hundred people in a warehouse in the back of nowhere one
0: location but that's how it grew like well, what was we, your plan to what you were going to do with your life then nothing I was just going to
1: keep I'll pro, in my thinking was I'm going to be a missionary where is the least evangelized place on the earth that's where I'm going to go so then I signed up for bible school so it wasn't seminary it was more yeah. like a leadership what they have now yes yeah and so very formative days so back then it was just you know a little bit of bible leadership training and um just serving around the church but i needed to be in that kind of almost that immersion um and so then what happened was uh, one of the assistant youth pastors started a community-based youth center and said I need someone to help. So um, that's really how it started. I was nobody like nobody else wanted to no do it. No one else wanted to do it. And no it wasn't cool to be working with at-risk kids, um, going into uh, parks at night where they were doing drugs or vandalism, going into detention centres. I mean, there was nothing glamorous, but, that, but I thought that was what you did because you were a Christian. Yeah. And so, you know, today everyone looks at A21 and I'm laughing going, well, 30 years ago when yeah. nobody knew who I was, when nobody even um, was thinking that, you know, this is, we we had to we thought we had to come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Yet I thought um, Jesus said, um, you know, that, uh, uh, to the father in john 17 as you send me into the world i send them um i have not called you out of the world you're to be right. in the world but not of it so i just thought we are light we are salt this is before you were reading the bible regularly just so yeah am eating, oh, yeah, uh, eating and we would have prayer meetings i mean this is old school charismatic stuff you know 6 a.m to 8 a.m every morning so we would be in prayer meetings i couldn't get enough of the bible i don't know what I understood, but I was too dumb to not know that it didn't mean what it meant. So I just, if I read that, that's what happened. I just assumed that's what happened. <laughs> so I would read it in the morning and go and do it in the in the <laughs> afternoon because you know then I kind of like got more books that it tried to give me four hundred explanations about why you shouldn't do that. But right. <laughs> in ignorance is bliss, I always say. Like seriously, you just go, oh, I, I figured that that's what it meant because yeah. that's what it said. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, and really, things began to grow in God's favor was evident, I would, I would believe God, I would read things. And so I didn't know, that um people actually believe that signs, wonders and miracles didn't happen today right. because I was seeing them every day. So I don't know what what they, so we were seeing them. So we would pray in the morning. And then, you know, oh, what did I know about starting a youth center? Nothing. Um but I would pray for God's favor and I would get divine meetings with, you know, government officials, with um rotary clubs that the police department gave gave us a one million dollar building. What? Yeah, literally this is where things uh um I would write grant applications, not even knowing what I was doing, praying over them and getting government grants, like all the things you see today with a 21 in embryonic form, 30 years ago, came with that. Like I would pray and go and see high school principals and say, you know, can I come and can we do anti-bullying? I look at whatever the big issue was at that time yeah. and say, can I run a seminar? And then I'd go into Coke and pray and, and you know, they would give us $100,000
0: to sponsor that's our crazy. seminars. Yeah, I mean, that's where I learned but why all why does stuff. more stuff like this not happen? Like there's a lot of Christians that are dying to do stuff, even yeah. new believers, that, and they show up and they're like, put them in a small group. And yes. like, there's this formula, in, especially in Western Christianity, where it's like, and then it defeats you because you're like, I'm so bored. Literally, like, we, I'm
1: bored and the process
0: is too long. I think that
1: you can believe God where you are. Like, I I used to, I still do this. Nothing's changed
0: for me today, except now it's on a huge, bigger, global right. scale. Um, but it's still the same. But do you think some of that is Christine Kane's giftedness? Or do you think it's like, you, do you know what it, like, how do you, I know so many people that are dying to do stuff for the Lord, but I feel like they're stuck somewhere with a desire, but not knowing how to execute it. Very much so. And I think you've got to be willing to take risks. There's a couple of things. And of course, you've got to be
1: in the right environment. It's, it's, I was in the right, right environment. So there's there's a lot of factors at play. I was in a church. Uh, that continues to this day, to be extremely empowering and encourage you to do what God has called you to do, encourage you to take risks, allows you to fail, all those sorts of things that I think are really critical. Um, You know, my pastor's been one that says, I would rather, you know, kind of have a bunch of people that I have to say, whoa, pull the reins on rather than try to get this thing started going in a direction. But I think a lot of it is a choice whether you're going to dare to believe that God can use you and you're going to dare to believe that God is who he says he is. I think sometimes we, are waiting for God to do something that he's expecting us to do and of course it's a balance with trying to understand well you know is it sovereignty where does it work in how much is me how much is God I go it's all God and all me and so you know I totally think it's all the Lord and I totally think I have to give everything to make it all happen so I have lived a full on and by that I mean if you had a switch on yeah 24-7 Christian passionate life like you the whole time you've known me but for the last 30 years I don't have an off switch like right. I decided I'm all in, no compromise. Well, I'm following Jesus. Agreed.
0: And I think that's that's huge because I think I think hearing you, you would have done this whether or not you were in Hillsong, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, you that helped you do things more massively in yes. some ways, which I think is awesome. And I think you know that's another conversation. But like I, I hear so much specifically from women. Yes. Right? oh, I really want to teach the word. And then I go to church and I'm in a church that doesn't let me teach. Or, or they're like, they get, you know, one event a year and they've got like 10 women who want to teach and they have to pick one. So you can't grow as a teacher right. with one. But you, even to this, speak to that woman who's like, now, nah, you know, they're starting the year, they've got their little list of, here's what I feel God's called me to do. Here's what I want to do in 2019. And and yet they might feel either a, the thing of 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 shutting down from the church or from from society or from whatever or even uh, you know what do you say to that yeah i think
1: there's lots of ways you know part of that's why i started propel i'm thinking just to give an example and i guess people will be listening to this all over the world but with our propel chapters we're up to um 3700 chapters in 68 countries and about to open our 100th chapter in pakistan So what I've done is created something that women can go, you know what, in my workplace, in my community, in my home, I can begin um, teaching and empowering women in conversational ways, in ways that are not going to cut across. So if you go to a church where maybe they believe women can't teach the Bible, you know, or or you are part of a culture that believes women can't do, it's a tool that says, okay, this isn't going to cut across that. We're not having that debate, but everyone agrees that we should all be leading people to Jesus, that we should all be talking about Jesus. I think sometimes we make an idolatry thing out of this is how I want to exercise my gift. I want to teach it in a certain way when I'm going, you know what, nobody can stop anybody leading anyone to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you are. And um, my deal is that I think because in America we've, We've only seen women serve God within the context of Bible teachers or writing a book, doing... See, I came from Australia where that's not what you saw. So it never occurred to you that you'd write a book or teach the Bible in a formal way or go to conferences. It was like... Come and see. So what? what, where you saw anointing and passion and leading people to Jesus, who's not going to want that person to say something? So I didn't get the microphone as a Bible teacher. I got the microphone as an evangelist leading people to Jesus and then learnt to teach the Bible out of that. But the Bible was a means to an end. The end is to lead people to Jesus. It's not the end in itself. Here we kind of think I'm called to be a Bible teacher boom, that's my job, that's the end result. I'm like, no, you're actually called to make disciples of Jesus. There are many ways you can do that. And if you just get locked up into a particular way of doing that because you think, well, uh, you know, when we stand before God um, and say, well, I didn't do what you called me to do because I wasn't allowed to do a certain thing in a certain way, um, you know, we're going to be accountable for that. And my thing is, are you called to be a professional paid Bible teacher on the road curriculum writer, book writer, because possibly 0.0001% of the population is actually called to do that. All of us are called to go into all the world to make disciples.
0: I agree completely. I mean, how do you destroy this feeling of, well, I'm not doing it well enough because it doesn't measure up to what the spectrum of visible. And I think
1: that's where your identity in Christ comes down to and God uses it to test you because if you were going to measure uh the bible says you know don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves Mm -hmm. he who compares himself amongst himself is not wise your biggest fight as any person that is called and every christ follower is called to follow christ and to lead other people to christ so there's your calling like you know we get so weird about i'm called to this i mean lord what i'm doing today i didn't it didn't exist when i was 20 so how could i go i was called to it i didn't even know slavery existed so how would i have known i would be doing a 21 Um, I didn't dream of a propel thing. I didn't start that till I was 45, 46. Um, I'm like, whoever's listening to this in your 20s when you know i just yeah. i've got this specific thing i'm thinking whatever you're ultimately going to do doesn't even exist yet it hasn't even been invented yet so don't limit god no i has seen no ear has heard nor has it entered into your heart the things that god has for you don't limit god by your small imagination at 20 you, what right. you're going to do at 50 isn't even so i've seen it as an ongoing journey i've never had an end game um i've never thought oh, i was born A21 is it or propel yeah. is it or you know i teach daily on television um to millions of people so so So, you know, that's it. Or I write books or uh, teach the Bible or speak at conferences. None of those things is it. I'm doing, day one, I was doing what I was called to do. Drop your nets and follow me, following Jesus. Every day I'm doing exactly the same thing. Now, he adds things because to whom much is given, much is required. And Matthew 25, if you're faithful with your five, you'll end up finishing with 11. If you're faithful with two, you'll finish with four. If you're not faithful with your one because you're waiting for your big break, you're going to bury it and you're going to get none. And so my deal is God is always waiting to see our faithfulness before he adds anything more. If we're not managing well what he's given us now, he's not going to give us more to mismanage. And so I think we're waiting for our big break. Part of the the culture is I'm waiting and, um, and you're not actually seeing God work right where you are. I'm not looking for my next big break. I never have. Um, I'm looking today for the anointing of God. I know that I'm marked of God. I don't care about being marketed by man.
0: What are things that you do to stay in a place of anointing?
1: Um, you stay in the word first and foremost. That's the, the biggest thing for me. And, um, okay.
0: Just pause for a second. Cause beginning of the yes. year, everyone's like, I want to read the Bible every day and people make it to day five. Yes. And Why? then
1: stop. Because I think it's just a matter. You know, there's lots of things. And part of that is our humanity and distraction from the enemy and the distracted age we're in. You have to listen if I told you you had to have uh, kidney dialysis every day to stay alive you'd go do it and almost like you instead of waiting to so fall in love with the word that you think you're going to get up every day and do it you've got to think of it more like kidney dialysis or brushing your teeth that's it so whichever one works for you but for me I'm like, Christine, if you had to have dialysis to stay alive, you'd, you'd do
0: whatever. You, so your what do life you would do practically it. speaking? What do you re- It would be different plan? for
1: everyone. Um, and I'm always careful, you know, I always say uh, because <laughs> I, and my life is very different and I do this for a living and I'm at a different season with my kids and I travel a lot. So um, I'm not, I have friends that get up every day. Yeah. And do it a certain way. Mine is always go, you know, I've been married 23 years with Nick and um, our intimate life doesn't look the same every day, right. but we're intimate every day, yeah. however that might look. Well, my thing is how I keep my intimacy That's with the good. Lord. It's it, I, I see it in that same vein um, that it's not the same place, same time, same way every day. Um, sometimes it could be, you know, and for me, if I, I, because I produce so much yeah. um, for, conferences and for television. I mean, when you're doing daily television um, to teach the Bible, you're in the word more than an average Christian will be in their whole lifetime. You know, I, I would be in any one year probably. So that's not even a fair measure. So as a normal person, I think you've got to do what keeps you alive. I think it's great. There's no should. My should is whatever you can do to stay in the word. So whether for some people, it's have your Bible reading plan on your phone. yeah. Um, for other people, it's going for a walk, grabbing five minutes, doing a verse, have someone else read it, whatever you need to do, but get the word in you. Mm. Because um my non-negotiable is the word. Uh, I listen to a lot of sermons. I don't really, you know, Lena. I, I, I don't have a lot of distractions, and I haven't for years. You're not going to find me watching, yeah. binge watching a whole lot of Netflix for. You know, I mean, I, I, and it's not. I'm not saying it's right, wrong. I, I do. It's not that I don't ever watch yeah. stuff. I don't waste a lot of hours doing that you're not going to see me um sitting on a phone spending hours talking about somebody else you're not going to see me tweeting about anything major thing because i just don't have time to waste you know i'm in the second half of my life and so i'm gonna do whatever it takes i love to play worship music i love to stay um i i love my close intimate circle of friends uh very do you have vision so speaking driven. of
0: that, like accountability is a big thing in the United States. Like yes. set up accountability. Do you have people that you regularly go like ask me these five questions, like how how no. is that fluid in your because life? Because
1: I think you'll only be ever as accountable as you want to be. That's right. the bottom line, and you really will. So either you are going to be or not. Um, I certainly, have, I'm very blessed in terms of um in my married life. You know, Nick is uh, we're basically almost in the same room most yeah. of our life because of what we do together.
0: What would you say to the single who that's might it be exactly struggling with sinful issues that well, they're embarrassed to talk they're very about?
1: real well i think you have to find um people because i have girlfriends you know lisa harper in my life is a is one of my closest friends on planet earth and um and i mean we we would contact one another if not every day, every other day, with again a quick just check in, and because we know where each other's at, like how did you go with this? What's happening here? And we know where each other's like because we're intimate enough yeah. with one another, where we're likely to struggle. And Lisa, you know, is a single mum, my friend, so she's um, so it, it is great. So I'm a married woman; she's a single woman, yeah. um, and it, it just actually keeps me really aware of like what what mm-hmm. uh, what is the reality of what single women are are. are are going through. And I think at the end of the day, um, again, here is the deal. There is two sides. Accountability is great and you will only ever be as accountable as you want to be. Um, you, I am very big in prevention is better than cure. So if you actually can build your life and especially, um, if you're single, uh, if you can build, and I was single till I'm 30. So I'm just trying to say that. And I was going to be single until the rapture. So I just want you all to know, that's it. And so it, it didn't even occur to me that I would be married. So, it, you know, i certainly don't believe marriage is the goal at all. So I think whoever you are, married or single, you've got to have, build. Pro, I, I have, I live quite proactively more than reactively. It doesn't mean that I'm not uh, prone to sin. It doesn't mean that I'm not at, as at risk as anyone else, but I do have some good systems and checks and balances. And what I do is, I also have a lot of good people and fun stuff in my life to do with people so that I. Hopefully don't get to a place where I'm so burnt out where I'm more likely to do things that are, are going to compromise my witness, that are going to be contrary to God's word. And so I'm always thinking ahead. I'm looking at my calendar. I'm looking at what's going on. I'm thinking, where might I be a little bit more down? Where might happen? Where might I need to put in some fun? Where do I need to just be like so, you know, and I've actually got three really dear friends, like, you know, that um that because you can't put all that pressure on one person. No one person can be God, but you need to have a few because you never totally yourself with anyone anyway. So there's different people you feel a little bit more comfortable with, a different aspect of your character, a different aspect of your work, a different aspect of. And so I think as long as I'm in their world and have honestly said and really meant it, hey, if you see me going weird, yeah, um and in my work, my, my life is so public that you know if I wrote something right. or tweeted something it, it, it'd be very quickly visible right. to a lot of people, so before it ever got to that stage you you would assume that um that I've had a lot
0: of checks and balances and I've done that intentionally right. um, but and yet you do hear about i mean and that's the thing is you yeah. hear about people who are in public places that fall with a secret life, and yeah. so now that's even you would think that's even harder to achieve but now again, just for the sake of talking through this for a second that person whether married or single who can listen to this conversation and they even look at me and I think I'm a loner introvert, you know, in my quiet time and I don't have a lot of friends. I have a few very yeah. close friends, but, but, but I think like they're thinking, well, it's fine for you guys. You're, they think we're extroverted because we talk fast, you know, and we talk loudly, but they're, they might be like, well, you're Chris I mean You got a hundred kids. A million. I was going to say 100,000. That's even nothing like compared to your followers. You're cool. You have friends. You go to church. You have a great success story. But what about that person that's stuck? Yeah. How do you get unstuck? I think
1: it's a decision. You know, It's a couple of things. Jesus said to the man by the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be healed? And um, the, the key to being unstuck is the, the first uh, part is a decision. You know, I, go, I always laugh sometimes. People go, well, Christine, you're just privileged. And, you're, and I'm thinking, I'm the kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. I'm the kid that was sexually abused for 12 years. I grew up in the poorest zip code in my state, Um, you know, just full of shame and guilt and condemnation. I had to come to a place at some point where I had to make what Jesus did for me Hmm. bigger than what anyone else had said to me about me or had done to me. So there was a point like everybody where we all get stuck and and feel sorry for ourselves and go, well, it's okay for you, as if the you – i.e. me or you um is not a real human being that has real battles that um has you know a real spiritual battle to fight and that doesn't have is not prone to the same uh temptations the same fears and doubts and anxieties and insecurities and the list goes on um and you know in fact uh pretty much the the higher you kind of rise the more you become a target Mm. for the enemy um you have to get to a point where you go do i want to be healed and do i want mm-hmm. to be unstuck and if you do the same jesus it's not really it's not even those other people that i'm accountable to not even my husband my children the successful ministry whatever that means um yeah. i would hope fruitful more than um yeah, I, I certainly don't measure it the way the world measures it um, but the fruitfulness and I want to, it, all of us should be fruitful Christians. If we're Amen. Christians, we should all be bearing fruit. You shouldn't be looking at mine and going, oh, wow, Chris came." Right. Um, I'm like, wow, I just hope you're bearing fruit because you're not going to be accountable for my fruit. You're going to be accountable for your fruit. So you better, yeah. when you stand before the Lord, it better be, you know, you better be fruitful for what he's called you to do. So my deal, um, comes down to, Um, Are you wanting to be unstuck? Because all of us, I could give you every, I should have been a statistic. I fit every government funding category in Australia. Um, you know I'm a marginalized uh, oppressed poor ethnic minority abused adopted chick I, have I, you I, ever tried to do something and just hit a rejection or a disappointment like, always, where it's like yes often and and it doesn't stop yeah. who used to say that at 52 with what I'm doing now I don't see that it's, people don't it's, see that side no, though, right? I, I would just- walk into walls I pull spears out of my back from being attacked and um you just go okay it and does do I still bleed yes is it still painful yes yeah. um does it hurt like anything else? Absolutely. I'm a human being. I don't yeah. know what anyone thinks that I am. Um, but is my commitment to Christ and the call, uh, is that what keeps getting me up? Yes, because at this point, to be honest, it's not the thought of success that keeps getting me up to keep going. I mean, like I've, yeah. I've, I've had a very blessed yeah. life, you yeah. know, so it's not that I need that. What for? What, what, right. what more? What, right. Where do I want to be invited to speak? What do I want right. to do? It is hopefully faithfulness and obedience, um, and that means all of us can get stuck. All of us have got something in our life, whether it's in our past or our present, and I promise you it'll come again in your future right. because there, we have an enemy who wants to, John 10, 10, steal, kill, and destroy. And Revelation 12, 12, he knows his time is short. And so he is heating things up. And I think it's important that we actually all remember that there is a real live enemy of our soul that wants to uh, thwart God's plan in our life. He wants to render us ineffective and fruit not fruitful. And so you're going to have that fight for the rest of your life. So, you know, stuck here, stuck there, you're always going to be tempted to be stuck and you're always going to have to understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and make a decision. And I think it comes, you know, I recently um, came out of the most probably the two most difficult years of my Christian life and um, of a whole Christian life in 30 years. Mm. And um, again, it was like, Chris, uh, the best way I can explain it to you, Lena, is um, if you've ever watched, my husband is obsessed with Navy SEAL, you know, movies, <laughs> I'm like, whatever. And so, um, but if you watch those movies, there's some of them like about Hell Week, which is yeah. the one week that, you know, now here's the deal to even get into Hell Week, that Navy SEAL Um, is awesome. I mean, their body is physically able to do it because you couldn't even get to that level of uh, uh, to get in if you couldn't do that. And the whole goal, if you watch any of those movies, is that the Sergeant Major, the Captain, whoever, his goal is to try to make you ring the bell and quit. So Mm. he's going to try to, I mean, he's going to belittle you with his words, um, make the training so hard that you just go, I'm done. I'm going to ring the bell. And that means, and then basically that's what they want you to do. Because if you break there. Um, they want you to break there so that you won't break on the front lines, on the special operations. And um, and I remember one night my husband had watched this and I said to him, you know, I said, I'm at the most dangerous place I've ever been in my Christian life because um, it's like in there's a part in the Navy SEALs where they're sitting in the freezing cold water for, you know, six hours. And, it's, and I said, uh, so if I was in hour number five in the cold yeah. water, I said, I know that I could do it. I actually know. I know that I'm going to make it. I'm not going to die. I actually have the mental capacity to keep sitting here. I said, but for the first time in my Christian life, I don't know if I want to. I think I just want to get up out of the water and go and ring the bell, just not because I can't stay here. Um, My commitment to Christ Yeah. at the end of the day. It was just... um, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus, no mm-hmm. turning back, no turning back like that. It was not the lure of anything. It wasn't that it was just Jesus. Mm. And, um, but I thought how close I can, and that was like just in the last, you know, uh, not, not 2018, but 2017 in the last, um, year of just how close I came after 30 years of faithfully following Jesus. Um, just so much of the attack of the enemy Mm. was like I don't even know if I want to keep taking this and then it was like but he's worthy and look what he did for me I mean here I am 30 years later comes back to it doesn't who cares about Instagram followers who cares about invitations to conferences who cares about how many offices are open it was like why won't I ring the bell it was for none of that like I don't another book another tv show it wasn't none of that it was um you're worthy. That's that's all mm. that awesome. it comes back to. <laughs> I
0: don't know what else to say. That's, that's all that awesome. comes back to. Switching gears a little, to yeah. your to girls. Um, what are the two or three main things you're trying to pour into them? I was to say to the next generation, but bring it to home. Like, what do you want yeah. your girls to?
1: I want them learn? to very. Um, I certainly want them to know Jesus for themselves. You know, they've grown up in a very blessed environment, yeah. and um, and they're great girls. Thank God. You know, I feel like they love the Lord, they love um, his word, they love church. But, you know, I mean, they're 16 and nearly 17 and 13. um, So I'm very mindful in this season of, of just ensuring to the best of my ability, I help them to nurture their own relationship with mm. Jesus, you know, it comes with its own special challenges to have, to be, to, for me to have two daughters and for them to have a very visible mother, you mm-hmm. know, like as I'm um, yeah. a very public figure and a woman, it's not like their dad, it's their mom that is the, um, the, that is in that way visible, but their dad runs the whole ministry. So that's it's, you know, they see us doing right. that together. They've certainly seen that modeled. Um, so I, I, I definitely want that. Um, I want them to truly, I just want Jesus to be the love of their life. Like Mm. when that happens, I'm I'm not really worried about anything else. They're going to make it. They're going to be okay. Um, I want them to really know the grace and the love of God and to have a healthy reverential fear. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. I want them to be wise in their future. So I want them to have that kind of fear of the Lord, this holy reverence that he is God and we are not, Mm. and he runs this planet. So, um, I want them to love God and love people. That's really what it comes down to. How do you to.
0: manage their uh, time on the
1: phone? Like that's a huge issue for... It is. We have great... I think at this point we have um, some great, uh, you know, the uh, rules. Rules, for you. want of a better phrase, it's yeah, a yeah. good thing. But, um, you know, so much of their life is on their phone because um, the, the world, way they yeah. do school yep. now, yep. the way they do their... Um, but the way it that so Mine will do study group and there might be two or three of them on FaceTime doing their study thing together. But... Um, and that's cool because, you know, the way we all live so far away from each other, it gets it gets done. But they, um, at night, their phones are out of their room, plugged yeah, in yeah. downstairs, you know, so there's certain things that are just like it's not yeah. in their room. At meals. Yes. Like oh, yeah, definitely. We're like, we, you know, we uh, that time that we're together, yeah. none of us. It's like no phones. Um, and then it's cool. And then I'm not intense about yeah. everything else. I'm like, you know, life is life. Um I've got an almost 17-year-old. At yeah. some point, I've either She's raised her or I haven't. Junior. Uh, junior. And so, you know, they're just, um, yeah. you you just got to go, okay, there's like stages to all of this. Um, but I'm pretty strict. I mean, you know, I get all their texts. All their- Encourage
0: the person who maybe has a child that they're just still crying over like they've raised them up like they thought yeah and
1: my thing is don't get. I love mothers whoever's listening to this a mum or a dad um never give up the hound of heaven is chasing down your kids there's nothing I love to pray for more and even in our propel conferences and what I do always for mums whose kids are away from God here's the deal and I hold on to the promise and you need to hold on to the promise that the Bible says if you raise your children you know um in in the ways of the Lord when they're old they they shall not depart now maybe they have departed on, on route to Coming back, um, but they will come back. I, I am just a great believer of do not give up. Um, love them unconditionally, but pray for them ferociously. Pray for them and do not. God answers prayer. Um, I know there would be nothing more heartbreaking. I know because I have um, daughters how heartbreaking um, it is. But I promise you, don't give up on your son or your daughter. And I know there, are, I mean, I know there would no doubt be yeah. someone listening to this, and your kid's strung out on drugs. You don't even know where they are right at this second. Um, as I'm talking, you're like, Chris, but I want you to know God knows where they are, even if you don't know where they are. And um, you pray, and the hound of heaven um, is with them wherever they are, drawing them home. And you just continue to love them. And even if you've had to show tough love, which is why they're not there, you've done the right thing. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. You keep putting God first, um, and you'll never come second by putting God first. And your God and your God loves your child even more than you do. So He is with
0: them. That's awesome. Um, what is your like? We're starting 2019. What is your vision for 2019 for Chris Kane?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of things. You know, uh, there's there's two big things uh, for this year. I mean, there's many more, but um, one is um, I'm spending a very intentional amount of time in in all of I mean my, my life runs at a very fast pace. But but reflecting, you know, um, I'm 52, so I'm past the halfway mark. So whichever way you slice this up, I've got less time on the earth than yeah. I have ahead of me than behind me. Um, and, of course, I've very much moved into a big sister and mothering role for so many um, young women, and I'm very grateful for that. Mm. I love that. I embrace that. I certainly haven't finished. You know, I'm, I'm still um, doing running my race, but also looking at what batons in a relay baton, what can I be handing on? What can I be doing? So I want some time of reflection of like, where is the body at? I've served for 30 years by God's grace, faithfully um, speaking into the next generation, speaking into women, speaking into the church. You know, I'm very privileged to have that opportunity, kind of that reflection while I'm running, um, still running hard, but reflecting, you know, 30 years, where are we at How can I give for the next thirty, God willing, if you know um, He grants me that? What what is the best use of my Mm. time? Um, So reflection will be a very big part of that, and savoring. My my daughters, you know, uh, my daughter on the tenth of January turns thirteen. On the tenth of March, my um, my Catherine turns seventeen. So both coming to very different seasons of life in their life, Um, and I want to savor every second of Mm. this season with them and, um, savor with them, savor with what the Lord's done. I mean, the miracle that a 21 and propel, you know, I've been running so hard. It's a decade I go. And I think 15 offices, 13 countries. Um, it's, it's profound. Like I just can't even be the work we do with the UN, the work we've done with governments opening in, you know, about opening Cambodia and, um, in mexico and things rolling out in guatemala and honduras and peru it's just like what and i'm like i actually want to savor that because i haven't spent much time savoring you know when you're building yeah. you don't yeah. savor and propel you know uh whatever 3800 chapters 38 uh, 68 nations um 100 chapters in pakistan who would have thought like i haven't savored enough so right. while we continue to build um reflecting and savoring are sort of my two words for A this year
0: word. that's awesome um Maybe this is a good place to. We're coming here to the end sure. of this conversation. Uh, propel. Yes. So, is, can guys come to it, or is it a girls only? It's, it is girls, but you know, I think what it's a matter of time. A guy signs
1: up? They do. They. Just, I just let them in. You know me. Um, so because um, it's just. Uh, it is uh, amazing. I mean, there, there's not a place I go to where all the guys don't all sit in because really it's, it's um, what the Lord's done is yeah. amazing. It's kind of like a an experience, the one-day experience. There's so many different experiences, but the activate experience is, you know, it's, it's a real mix. Nine hours, you're in, you're out, but there's word worship world and wonders, yeah. we're, we're there, you know, we, we do business as women, only women yeah. can. Um, and then I have my day of ministry for women in ministry, I really love in March. Um, I think that's very effective and very unique in the space that it is. I do a preaching and teaching yeah. workshop that I love. And then we have um, our Propel chapters, and that's the strength of it, 3,800 chapters around the world where uh, you sit down, whether you're in the marketplace, a stay-at-home mother, whether, you know, whatever you do in, in ministry, in a church environment, you can uh, take this, um, and then just make it work in your world and yeah. begin conversations I want to help intentionally I'm not looking to do sort of another bible study thing um, I really want to help uh, help mobilize women for mission wherever they are and say you don't need to ask for permission you've got it Jesus yeah. came and said go into all the world to make disciples um, whether you could do a certain activity between 9 a.m and 1, a, 1 p.m on a Sunday morning well that's up yeah. to you and your denomination. But whether you can go into all the world and make disciples, I think we all agree mm-hmm. everyone can do that.
0: Well, and so where do they go? What website again? To Propelwomen.org. Propelwomen.org. We'll have that, of course, for you guys because I think this would be awesome. You also wrote a great devotional for people who are looking to start your, you know, one simple way. We talked about kind of doing... You know, time with God and building deeper intimacy with God, but unshakable. Unshakable, yeah. It's a 365-day devotional. That would be a great resource. We'll put a link to for people here. That look, we're just trying to give you guys tangible ways. That's what I find helpful. I'm an ER doctor, so I like to think in you know, hands-on or one-two-three steps to take to not to become Chris Kane, but to pursue the yes. call on your life. Chris is just exemplifying us, exemplifying it in a way that I think is very visible right now in the church. But there's so many people who are living their lives right now, who are doing amazing work for the Lord. And we just want to give you the tools to be able to do even more of that. So this is pretty awesome. Um, Honestly, this is just such an honor to have you here. I know your time is so full, but your testimony is loud and clear. And I just really um, love you so much. And I I, I really mean that as a sister in the Lord and just, I'm so grateful for this time. Um, Hey, you guys have heard her for a while now. You know why I look up to this woman. (laughs) And so uh, I know you guys can follow her on Insta and, on Twitter what's your favorite social media venue pretty much Instagram is where, Instagram yeah, is where yeah. it is so do that guys and hey this really the focus of this podcast has really been about hope so many angles to that Chris has written many books on, on the topic of hope and I, I won't even yeah. start listing them but we'll have some links again in the notes um, we want the 2019 to be your best year yet I really do that's my prayer for the one who are listening to this show to the guys who are listening to the show there's no reason that it shouldn't be we have the spirit of God in us Yeah, we've got God leading us and uh, I'm telling you guys I think that what's happened in the past is gone now we just fix our eyes to the future and let's do what God's called us to do so if you want to email me for any more details Lena at org. it's been awesome starting the year with you man if you didn't feel energetic before I know that this thing has just revved you up I know that I love you guys more importantly God loves you and our hope is in him so I'll see you guys next week